consider yourselves officially enrolled in Rock and Roll Grad School with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. The facilities are yours. Hello, kitties. Props to our peeps, and please keep your receipts. Um, wow. What? No? That's your new one? That's how we're going to do that's this a new now? One. That's the new one, yep. Yeah. Uh, huh. We're going to have a real good time together because we are talking with the Whitmore sisters this week who have their first their first album, but it, they have been playing together for their entire lives. And I think it's a safe. Other amazing Every, artists. So yes. it's the first official album together. Bonnie sang on the uh, Masterson's records, which is Eleanor and her husband, Chris Masterson, which is how they got the name. Uh, Eleanor and Chris are both members of the Dukes, Steve Earle's backing band. So there's a yep. lot of music going on and they're touring yes. behind this record which is amazing it, we talk about it a little bit in the show but it i said does it feel like rolling thunder and they couldn't there's like sort of but but it is bonnie then bonnie and eleanor doing the whitmore sisters records and then chris and the rest of the band come out and they do all masters and stuff it sounds like a lovely evening of country alt country americana Everything. roots yeah. i don't know what you call it it's, so. it's your favorite kind of music. I know, it is. So everyone who knows what you love will right. love it too. And even well, if you don't, it's good. And, it's so and, good. Every, and everyone at the gig will be dressed just like me, so it'll be perfect. Yeah, so if you'd like to spend an evening with Luke and a million doppelgangers. Exactly. And here's so, some really good tunes. Yeah. I am currently, my fingers are all still sore from, um, I don't know what I call it, nerd rock, dad rock. Oh, from my, your band? band? Yes. We haven't talked about your band lately. I know. So two weeks ago, or no, they said, well, let's try some new songs, add to the catalog. And our drummer, who, lovely woman, I just don't know if she's ever seen a drum before, okay. said, could we do something by the Beatles? And I was like, well, of course. What's yes. she said, How about like, let it be? I love John Lennon's voice. And then part of me died inside. That's that's rough. But then it very quickly went from that through into my head, the thought of, I have to learn what I think is one of the greatest guitar solos ever. Right. So no pressure. Um, but and, that's fun. That part is good. Well, that's what I was going to say. The reason my fingers are so, so sore is for the past few days, for like an hour, I'm sitting there trying to figure this out. And it's so interesting to play it and then play all the right notes and be like, but this doesn't sound like George. Well, and it's, does it ever sound like George when it's not George though? No. And ever. I think it really goes to show sort of how much of somebody's personality goes into their music in a way that you cannot quantify. Right. Like George's stuff has a very kind of peaceful, there's an edge to it, but it's very peaceful. Yes. Eric Clapton's, there's a little bit of racism. <laughs> a little dinkiness. Right? I mean, that's just reparations. That's all I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really just interesting to hear and look at it even written out. He's not doing a lot, but he's doing a lot. It's very, right. George Harrison's line are very, very simple. But that's only very indicative of a lot of George. Yeah, and it's, it's, I think, the only good thing that came out of the Phil Spector sessions for Let It Be mm -hmm. is him saying, I think we need something heavier here for the solo. Yeah. Um, 
but it has been a delight and incredibly intimidating. And I think I've reached a point where I'm just like, if I can get in the, the noticular right era or vein, mm-hmm. I'm happy. Like, I don't want it to sound just like George because that's a fool's errand. And that's, right. um, I just want to be able to be, for someone to be like, okay, you've listened to the song a few times. You're in the ballpark. Go with God. I would yeah, like I, you guys to play Day of the Life. <laughs> which is my personal favorite Beatles song. Really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know what my favorite is. It, it changes. It changes for me too, but that one's pretty consistent. That one, Day Tripper. Mm. Um, I think everyone's got something for Hyde except for me and my monkey. Or happiness is a warm gun. I think I could go either way. Okay, those are good. The one that I used to hate until I think I may have told you this. When I was in high school, Rachel and I both used to listen to the oldie station in the mornings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when they would do traffic, they would do the beep, 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 yeah, to go to traffic. Of course. Which I wasn't really familiar with this, like super familiar with the song at the Mm. time. I mean, I knew it. I knew a ton of Beatles stuff, but I knew that song, but I hadn't really listened to the song. So I didn't particularly like it. And Mm -hmm. it really annoyed me when they would play that before traffic. Mm. However, as an adult, I think it was Dave who was like, you really don't like that song? I really feel you would love that song. That song is literally you. Like this, mm. is, this, there is no song that is more you than Baby You Can Drive My Car. Right. And I finally listened to the lyrics and he's right. Hmm. Interesting. Right? Like I'm going to be famous, but you can, you can drive my car. You can drive like, the car. Right. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's very pretty true. much every day with me. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so, well, radio shows while we're here and uh, looking, looking forward to seeing some folks tomorrow night out at Guero's. So that'll be fun. Oh, Guero's. That's lovely. Very fun. Are you guys playing the outside by the mm-hmm. giant tree? Oh, it's, it's lovely. The live oak garden. Yes. It's best. <laughs> yes. That's very, very nice. Um, you know, I don't, I'm sure one of the things you both love is when people hear the art you've made and then make generalizations about you. It's so, our favorite. Oh, perfect. So I'm going to assume that you don't care for the Paranormal Activities films. <laughs> oh, no. I, I love well, that. Um, especially if we're talking about like Wellington Paranormal. Like, uh, okay. Watch that show at all. So good. No. I, I need to. Yeah. It, the New Zealand show, actually, you can get it on like HBO Max or whatever. Oh, perfect! It's like X Files, but funny. Ooh, <laughs> oh, that's perfect. There we go. Yeah, because I think listening to the record, it seems that you know, reading the materials and stuff, a lot of the songs are about people who have passed, people who were important to you in, in past relationships and stuff. But really, the way you talk about them and incorporate their stories into the album it's very positive in that that they i get the sense that you're sort of treating it like well they're still around in some form they're they may not be here yeah that they're they're somewhere out there in the ether and they have some sort of say on input on what you're doing now that's why they're ghosts luke 
Oh. <laughs> Hence the title. I'll, I'll show myself. <laughs> show myself out. No, sorry. <laughs> like, we want to share the stories of our friends and keep their, their memories alive through song. I mean, that's one way that you can tell the tells, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be something that you, you know, tell around a campfire to scare everybody, you know, it's, but it is about, you know, loss and, and, uh, you know, kind of going through that process. So as this first official collaboration, why was this the subject matter, which is so beautiful and like just and go, I just I don't I tease Luke but like everything I love like thinking of ghosts as more than just you know Casper but why was this the, the area that you said this is where we need to start this is the collaboration we need to do well I think the the starting point was uh the song the friends we leave behind and um that was written for George Reef, uh, who played bass on uh, the first three Masterson's records and played bass on Bonnie's um, first two records. And um, he was a really great musician in Austin. He played with Courtyard Hounds and um, uh, Chris Robinson and the Brotherhood. And um, uh, so that was kind of like the starting point, the first song that we wrote in that pile. And then we had a few others that kind of kept adding up. I mean, not all of the songs on the record are about dead people. Obviously some songs could be more interpreted as like the ghost, the ghost of, of my love life. Of you know, course. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's also about like, you know, I think we've all collectively had a, a lot of loss that we've gone through either by form of people that we admire. I mean, even the loss of Betty White, who we've, you know, was a couple weeks ago, was gutting, you know, it's, and I don't think that anybody's escaping that at, at this point. And I think uh, it's universal. I think that we spend a lot of time trying not to think about death and and not wanting to confront that. And I think that does a lot of disservice and and um, discredits the people that aren't there with us anymore. I think that's how we carry on and we share their stories and, you know, keep keep them with us, even if they aren't here on a, on the same physical plane anymore. At what point did you realize that you had the songs for a record? Did you write 11? Or I'm assuming there's others that, oh, this just doesn't fit what we're trying to do with this. What was the thing that made you say, these are the 11 that we want to put out there as a, as a collection? Right. We kind of, we didn't, we have to say that like, this is really um, Chris Masterson's um, uh push. I wanted to, I wanted to come and visit and hang out in LA. You know, I was getting stir crazy and I was like, can I come out and pod with you guys? And Chris was like, yeah, here's the caveat. (laughs) 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 Need to make a record. And we only had one song in the pile that we'd co-written together at that point. So she was coming out in a couple of weeks. And so we just started writing on zoom and before she came and then we cut about eight songs on the first visit. And then she came back for a second visit. We wrote on zoom in between and then finished up writing when she came out. So it was all kind of written pretty quickly. And so we um, wrote or co-wrote nine of the songs. And then um, there's two covers on there, which uh, are big heart, sick mind, um, by Aaron Lee Tashin and Erica Blinn. And um, then uh, uh, wing, On the Wings of a Nightingale um, by Paul McCartney. He wrote it for the Everleys. And um, 
it's kind of funny how those two songs came about because we've been friends with Aaron for a really long time. And both of us have co-written with Aaron for various projects and um, it got a line through a lot of our projects one and, way or the other. <laughs> and so I reached out to him and asked if he wanted to co-write. And he was like, yeah, sure. But I have this song. He was like, do you like, what, what do you think about this song? And he sent big heart, sick mind. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. Cause we needed some tempo. Um, you know, a lot of the songs are, you know, kind of mid-tempo and, and mellow. So you definitely need um, a song like that to pick her uh, up or to build the arc of a, of a collection. And um, so he just gave us that song. He had, you know, written and recorded it for another project and it didn't fit. And so he just passed it along to us. Um, and then he actually reminded us about On the Wings of a Nightingale. Um, and uh, it's on an Everly Brothers record that was produced by Dave Edmonds. But Chris and I actually got the demo, the McCartney demo from Will Rigby, who played with the DBs and was Steve Earle. Um, and uh, it's such a great demo where McCartney is like singing all the harmonies and, and everything. And it's just it's it's kind of a better interpretation of the song, in my opinion, just because it doesn't have all the 80s production on it and stuff. And um, and he kind of like sings it in the style of the Everly's. And um, so that was kind of our template for that song. Um, so, you know, it just kind of came to, to answer your question, it all came together pretty quickly. And then um, we were able to add those two songs to the pile to, to get us uh, to where we needed. Um, okay, can I just interrupt here for a second? Yes, who, please. Yeah, who is that? Who is this? When I uh, conversation. Yeah, that's War Notes. Hi, War Notes. <laughs> you are gorgeous. War yeah, he, uh, he sometimes likes to join, likes to join. Yeah. Okay, I just want to acknowledge him and let no, him know. No, please, that's good Thank to you. acknowledge and honor him. It's very important. Yes. Um, how much writing had you done together? And had there been a, a lap of lapse of time between your previous collaborations and now? Well, like my first record, she and I had written like the first song that we've done and that's been years ago. And then it's just sort of like, so we had the attempt in Nashville with Betty Sue doing a co-write. We um, really only sat down a handful of times and kind of hadn't quite gotten our rhythm together. And then like, we're also really good at being like, if we have something to focus on, it's like the procrastinator in us will like kick in and like get the work done. Um, are we allowed to cuss on here? Oh yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> that, was that shit done. Cause yes. it is it, we we work well under those circumstances so I think you know I think we needed the push to know that we were making a record for us to to really sit get down, down and get get it done yeah so when you guys were kids did you used to fight over who got to be Naomi Judd versus Winona who got to be Ann Wilson versus Nancy and who got to be who it was actually kind of funny because a lot of times it would be like it, the argument would ensue with like you're on my note <laughs> seems about right <laughs> was there ever a particular you know songstress or rock star that you both really wanted that part like did you both really want to be stevie nicks one of you had to be christine mcvee or vice versa i don't know if there's one in particular we actually were coming up with a list of women that inspire us or like early influences and um for another thing. And, uh, it's really hard to nail it down. Like I, I would say the Judds is a very early influence. It was our first concert that we went to as kids. Um, 
so that that was kind of like an, an early uh, memory and something that sticks in my mind, but like over the years, there's just so there's too many really. Um, well, there is. Okay. So there was the Fats Waller tune, ain't misbehaving that we have all collectively in our family fought over, like, <laughs> um, so that's, that's one that we've kind of shared, um, or taken turns over who, whose song it was, you know? Yes. Um, but you know, I, I feel like we learned like half of Kim Ritchie's record bittersweet because we loved that record so much and, and, and things like that, you know, I I, think that to answer that question, our parents have been like so unbelievably supportive and just kind of encouraged us to be exactly who we want to be. So I don't think we've spent a lot of time like wanting to be somebody else. We're just kind of like unique Martians that um, have uh, <laughs> well, a lot of our influences and in upbringing were interpretations of songs. Like we weren't hearing the original versions of the Beatles. We were hearing my dad's version of him playing them and us learning them that way. You know, so there's there's a lot of sort of songs that came into our collection um, through him, you know, which I think is a little bit of a, a different way of approaching um you know, songs. And there's a lot of songs that I just assume were my dad because he also yeah. would write songs. And so it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, that's Bob Dylan. That's Bob Dylan. <laughs> like, wow, Bob Dylan's covering our dad. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did he pay for the rights to that? <laughs> I feel awesome. like the, the, the follow-up question to that is something that usually at some point during the interview, Heidi's brings it up um, because both her mother and your mother were opera singers mm-hmm. Very and studied. Cool. Yeah. What is there anything from that particular training which you don't normally see in most, you know, pop, uh, pop rock, country musicians that from that uh, having that background that you think makes you sound a little bit different than than other singers? Um, absolutely. Our um, I think the track on the album that reflects that the best is superficial world of love and um our mom what played the lead in la traviata um and um you know she was always giving lessons at the house and always um performing and taking vocalizing. us uh, vocalizing oh, yeah. taking us to see the symphony taking us to the opera um and then you know both of us have classical training i pursued it all the way through college um so a lot of my string arrangements and, and things that, um, I do on records is, is largely, um, from our mother's influence, um, for sure. Um, so I would say, you know, it's a big, a big part of, um, of where we come from, but, you know, we also kind of, um, really didn't want to sing like mom. Yeah. Like there was we, a, a little pushback. Yes. <laughs> any, any formal training from our mom. Not um, exactly. But we, we learned like by osmosis, like you can't overhear that many vocal lessons and not, not pick up. And also like, she was always one to be like, if we were doing something wrong, she was going to tell us like, oh, yeah. I, I used to <laughs> in the audience because she would just like, she would be like, <laughs> You know, like her little hand does, I was like, stop it, we can talk about it later, you know, but, but it did a lot to just like knowing, and like, we were, we were also both not allowed to become cheerleaders because that was too much screaming. This is all, to this day, she'll listen to an episode and she'll be like, Heidi Rayel, raise your soft palate. You're not breathing from your diaphragm when you're on the show. (laughs) Open the back of your throat. Yes. Yon sigh. (laughs) 
I'll go up to visit her. She lives in this beautiful home in, in northern Michigan. I'll go up to visit and I'll be like three floors down from her. She'll be drying her hair. She's long since retired and I can still hear her vocalizing. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> it's wonderful, but it's just. My favorite was to be on the phone with somebody and I could hear it through the bedroom door downstairs mom and and be like what what am I hearing in the background I go what this and I'd open up the door and it was like the sonic got like just twice as loud what is that and I'm like it's my mom yeah but she has little whale noises in the background it's good but that's amazing too that you both had the the confidence and the to take your own path and do that you know and to do what you do and have your incredible talent out there for everyone because I who I, I I can sing I, I don't like to sing I like to act I don't like to <laughs> sing <laughs> but I think I was heading more the musical theater path so it was a little too close but yeah. it's and you guys have made your your own path with an incredible music so it's good well Blessing I feel like our parents balance us out in that regard you know dad dad kept us folky mom kept us trained so to speak best of both worlds right <laughs> i think actually the best thing i learned from her is the is is uh, uh emoting like vocally emoting because uh, i can still listen to performances of hers um recitals and stuff and it just makes me weep like yeah you know that's the thing about operas like i had no idea what they're talking about it's all in italian or whatever but right. like when she is like out there about to like kill herself, you're like, just like, oh, just full on every time. <laughs> and we all know what's going to happen, but yeah. we still get all choked up. It's like knowing the dog's going to die at the end of the movie. You're still going to cry. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know you've, you've had an insanely fascinating and wonderful list of people you've collaborated yes. with in the past. Certainly. Uh, Chris, you know, good start. Um, I mean, Steve Here, Earl. That was a good start. <laughs> yeah. I just so many people. Have you, what did you learn from, from some of them and, and seeing them work and what'd you take from that? You mentioned the, the, the most recent one. Oh, well, okay. Here's an example. Um, <laughs> uh, we, so Steve Earl does, um, a benefit show every year and he has uh, guests and in the past he's had you know Amy Lou and Lucinda he had both one year and um I got to sing with both of them and back both of them up which was like one of my career highlights of my life um but this year um Springsteen was his guest and um Springsteen was like yeah I want the dudes to back me up and so I got this song list like four days before the show and realized I was gonna have to play all the piano parts on like darkness on the edge of town and um yeah, no and like that's not, that's not my yeah. main instrument I did happen to focus on that during quarantine so I was like I think I can pull this off but um you know so I was pretty nervous going into it but just like really you know doing all my homework and getting ready and then like when he showed up for sound check and then also just for the performance like I have never been on stage with anyone in my life that had that kind of energy and I've played in an orchestra with Diana Ross. I've played like with so many different people, but Springsteen was just a whole other level. Like he summoning energy from the core of the earth and like throwing it out into the audience. And they were just giving it right back. And it was the most powerful 
experience on stage that I've ever had. Um, She's never smiled that much. I've never smiled (laughs) in my career. Um, So it was really um, incredible. But, you know, I think you learn something from everybody that you play with. Um, I enjoy being a side musician very much. I don't have to be center stage. Um, And, you know, I've learned a lot from, you know, singing with Kelly Willis or um, just a number of people. You learn something from from everybody. you know, just even storytelling from somebody like Steve Paltz, watching how they mm. just, you know, do insane things on stage to make people laugh that have nothing to do with music. Well, even um, I like even with Hayes Carl, and he learned this from Ray Wiley Hubbard was like, if you have a 30 minute set, you do not play more than 30 minutes. Like, like there, there's just little things that like, you know, that you, you can overstep or, or, uh, you know, put yourself in a position where you don't get asked to back to do something. So, yeah. you know, I guess that's how you learn how to be a pro. I learned, I learned uh, that silence is a, is a, a really good tool to use from McMurtry, you know? <laughs> and I know you, was that part the show you did with Steve Earle and, and Springsteen one the video it just looks like everybody on stage is having the greatest night of their lives Springsteen included yeah <laughs> um, okay. but, what he said about Chris oh yeah Springsteen <laughs> sent Steve a text and it was like uh please you know tell tell the Dukes uh they're amazing um your guitar player is um an exceptional, an exceptional treasure, treasure. wow <laughs> So has Chris tattooed okay, so, that somewhere on his say, body? Yeah. yeah. I know. I was like, you think of that tattooed like exceptional, exceptional treasure. treasure. <laughs> <laughs> like on, on a, a nameplate on his desk. Right. <laughs> a personalized license plate. Shirts, I mean, <laughs> treasure with an arrow pointing up at it. Right. right. And then in quotes, Bruce yeah. Springsteen. <laughs> you must be looking forward to getting out. Have you done a lot of shows recently other than that was that a one-off or were you guys on the road? I, I don't remember. A, a one-off and we also were there to make a record with Steve. Um, you know, it's, it's been a little uh, unstable out there. Like, you know, when, when we all got vaccinated last summer, we went to work in June and it felt magical. We played a bunch of um, headlining shows, Masterson's and Whitmore Sisters and Bonnie um, and kind of were able to start previewing some of these new tunes out, out the summer. And then, um, everything started heating up in July and August out with Steve and, you know, it got kind of stressful out there. We had our pedal steel player out with Steve ended up getting a breakthrough and we just had to, you know, kick him off the Island and leave him in a hotel <laughs> and, and yeah. all kept testing and carrying on and, um, no one else had a breakthrough. So we were able to continue the tour without any cancellations. And then, um, but he was like the only one that that booking agent, you know, like everybody else had canceled dates, and Steve was one of the only the only acts that oh, summer yeah. that didn't have any cancellations. Yeah. And then, um, I honestly can't even remember what the what we did for the rest of last year, but it was full. And then, well, yeah, it's just basically it's like we've we've uh, it's more of like there have been gigs that then were taken away and then there's been gigs and they got canceled and or gigs it's, that, it's a, it's or a gigs lot of pivoting that, gigs that maybe should be canceled, but you're going to do them anyway. Cause you want the club to not go out of business. Right. And, and, you know, it's a little tricky because a lot of our fans aren't comfortable coming out 
um, you know, it's affecting ticket sales and merch sales and bar sales. And, you know, it's just, it are, um, we're making an announcement uh, tomorrow that we will be rescheduling all of our European dates, yeah. um, which we're supposed to start after this weekend. And one of the fans um, who, who messaged like, are you still doing these? COVID said, is breaking our lives. <laughs> yeah. The most appropriate expression. Uh, he was a Spanish fan, but COVID is breaking our lives. And yeah. I was like, yep, it sure is. Um, you know, we don't know if the outlaw cruise is going to happen or not. It looks like it is so far, but there's several boats that aren't coming to port and the passengers yeah. are stuck for an extra week because there's a breakout, even though everybody was vaccinated and even though everybody did a PCR test before they got on board and a rapid test. So, you know, it's really tricky out there. Um, we're we, staying hopeful, but like, really, we don't know if we're doing the show until we're actually doing the show at this point. And that's, and that's a hard place to be um, when you're trying to plan or, or do anything. So, you know, we're just, we're, what we can say is that what we are being asked to do and what we are hopefully going to accomplish is really great stuff. And we are really looking forward to all of them. Right. Um, as if they actually come, it will just have to wait and see. But I think know? it's, it's just really tricky too, though. Cause like at our level, which is pretty mid-level, you know, some of these clubs are pretty small. Some of the times we're selling the merch ourselves, there might be a mask requirement. Do people follow it? Are they, you know, talking loudly over music in our face while I'm trying to sell them a record, you know, without a mask. And, you know, it's just, there's a lot of situations that, um, we didn't not, expect to be put in a situation where we needed to be like a, a, a school monitor or something of that sort. Like right. I, I still have been trying to keep my residency going here in Austin. Um, I do a, a residency at the Continental Gallery um, upstairs. And like this past week I did it by myself, but I was like, basically anybody who came in without a mask on, I was like, do you have one? No, we have one. We you. have one. What? And <laughs> but like, that's what I need to be able to feel safe when I take my mask off, you I know? Think, and we're getting to the point where like, we're, you know, I, I'm getting pretty stressed about it because I'm, I had COVID in March of 2020 and I'm, I have long lasting health effects and I'm a long hauler and I don't want it again. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, and I also don't want to lose any more work. Um, so it's just really hard to, we want to be entertainers for everybody because that's what everybody is actually needing and wanting. But at the same time, we need to, I need them to help. We need them to help us, help us. maintain this. <laughs> Keep and going. That means wearing a mask, you know, and it's not fun, but it means, you know, like you take a sip, you put the mask back on, you know, you don't just, but if it's hard when alcohol gets built into it, you know, it's like your inhibitions completely go out. And, um, but until we're willing to be able to be, to share a space and feel safe within it. Like that's, that's just where we're going to be until we can get through all this. So lots of dates planned. Yeah. We're very helpful. <laughs> well, and I was going to say to focus on the positive side of it, you know, assuming everything goes off as planned, it seems like a really cool night of music. Is it sort of going to be a, cause it's, it's all versions of your various groups and, uh, is it going to be sort of a rolling thunder or is it going to be a very separate three sets of music? Do you, have you figured that out yet or? <laughs> We've gone back and forth. I think what we're planning on doing uh, what, this summer, last summer we were, Bonnie did an opening set and then we kind of worked the Whitmore sisters into the Masterson set. Um, this, Although I did like the Jason Isbell quote. What did he say? 
Jason ended up showing up to our Tulsa show and because he, he tweeted, it's like, we went and saw the Whitmore sisters with Chris Masterson. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I, I think gets it. <laughs> we, have, we have a lot of flexibility and can really put on a good show with really three acts. And um, in Europe, uh, we will be um, uh, with the full band and obviously hope to do that stateside at some point. Um, and um you know, I think uh, we're planning on having the Whitmore sisters open and then we'll probably at least work one Bonnie tune or if not more in the main set. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Sissy left out in the pouring rain Said she's going somewhere she can change her name Fire in her head Stories, the first album by the Whitmore Sisters, is available right now wherever you get your music. For more information, check out their website, thewhitmoresisters.com. They are also on Facebook and Instagram, where they're at the Whitmore Sisters, and they are on Twitter at Whitmore Sisters. You can check us out on all the various socials. Be sure to visit our website at rockandrollgradschool.com, and don't forget to leave us a review. Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant producers are John Sauvey and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thank you, good night, and may all your favorite bands stay together. Just like a storm when it's blowing